Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at All Day Packers, and I'm joined by my co-host, Braun. Braun, how are you? I'm doing good, man. You can follow me on Instagram at Lambo Leapers. All right, and we're also joined by Josh Moser of uh, Fox 11. Thanks for coming on, Josh. How you doing? Of course. It's time, man. I'm great. Always a time to talk Packers. All right, it's good to hear, and today's episode is just going to be a, a full draft recap. I'm sure you all know about the Packers 2020 draft. It was uh, pretty underwhelming, to say the least, for a lot of Packers fans, but um, there there are things to be optimistic about. There are things to be pessimistic about as well, so we're going to get into all that. Braun, if you want to start, what were your uh, your general thoughts on the, the Packers draft? Well, you know, we talked about it pretty much throughout this whole process, uh, none of us really thought that that Jordan Love pick in the first round was really realistic. And and when it came down to it, here we are. Uh, we trade up from 30 to 26. Everybody thinks it's Denzel Mims. It's Patrick Queen. We're jumping the Baltimore Ravens. You know, it's uh, – and then we all hear that name, Jordan Love. And I, I, for me personally, I kind of just like – I paused for a second just in shock. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I had – I had thought about the idea of drafting a quarterback so many times in my mind, and uh, it never really, it never really calculated where I, I would understand a pick of a quarterback. And uh, when it happened, that I can't say much, but I was, I was just in complete shock, at a loss for words. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Me and Braun were actually on the phone during the draft, and it was a mutual feeling of just, yeah, shock. Shock's definitely the word to describe it. Um, Josh. What would you what would you add to the the Packers backup quarterback drafting him at twenty six trading up for him? What would what would you have to say about that? Actually, he was one of my three guys that I had the Packers taking originally. I thought Jefferson was going to slide, but trended so far up in the last couple of days, and then I didn't think that they would have necessarily trade up. I thought they could have taken Love in their initial spot. After talking to a few experts and really digging into this. This is Matt LaFleur's guy and he wanted him. He identified him, you know, extended Zoom interview with him, spent about an hour on the phone taking him through this. Uh, Luke Getzey spoke with him, offensive coordinator Dan, Nathaniel Hackett spoke with him. So they identified that Love had all of these tools and if we really want to break it down from a fan perspective, yes, I get it. You're 13 and 3. You advance the NFC Championship game. You're one game away from Super Bowl. You've got Aaron Rodgers under contract for four more years. You want to get him that quote-unquote weapon. They haven't drafted a skill position player on offense in the first round since Rodgers was taken in 2005. And the rap has been if you get him weapons, he can win as opposed to just let Aaron Rodgers do what he does and he can carry the Packers. We've seen him get to the NFC Championship game now twice, but hasn't been able to get them back to the Super Bowl. This kid loved. Unfortunately, he's going to be compared to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre for the rest of his career. Is that necessarily his fault? No, that's just kind of how it works in this world. But if you look at Love, 21 years old, compare him to Joe Burrow, who was taken number one overall. I know that he won the Heisman Trophy this year, but he's turning 24. So here's an opportunity for Jim Love to sit for three years, learn from Aaron Rodgers. They'll come in at essentially the same rookie level. As Joe Burrow, I think when he finally gets a chance to play, I, I think the Packers saw that potential in him. That's why they took him in the first round because they truly believe that he can be a franchise player for a long time, like they've had with Favre, like they had with Rodgers, and that's rare. You haven't seen that 
across a lot of franchises. And when you really look at the draft and you talk about the act for next year and talking to Brian Goodicum specifically, it's the players making a jump from year one to year two and even more so from year two to year three that are going to be right on the most moving forward for this upcoming specifics. And so, yes, you could have gotten that Denzel Mims, but is he going to be better than Alan Lazard? Is he going to be better than Devin Funches, who they just got in the offseason? Is he going to be better than CFL leading wide receiver that had a lot of experience that they brought in? Is he going to be better than Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Remember, he's coming back as well. You've got Darius Shepard on this roster. So with that experience already being in that system, I think they're going to be helpful in the short term, as hard as that is for Packers fans to understand. But I get it as well. You want the sexy name. You want that impact player. Patrick Queen was there. You needed a linebacker. Uh, so I see the argument. But Jordan Love, unfortunately, he's going to have to be a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, in my opinion, uh, for Packers fans to say that this was the right pick. And uh, that's a lot of pressure to put on him. Oh, no, yeah. definitely. I mean, so what do you think in terms of – the the front office just that thought the thought process with all those guys there that they could have taken uh and and choosing to do this with with Rodgers still having four years left with him continually saying he wants to play past 40 in Green Bay what do you think uh the thought process was there from Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur specifically when they a guy that they think you know is going to go in the early teens you know maybe early 20s at best and he's falling down and, and he's getting close to them. What do you think the thought process is there uh, to trade up for him? Thought process is that he's their guy. He's the guy they identified all along. If you're trading up to go get him, especially if you look at the three teams that they had between 20s and 30, they all had quarterbacks unless someone else was trying to trade in and they were just like, hey, I'm, I'm good spending a fourth round just to ensure that we get this guy. The thought process is that they believe that he's the future, that he has all of the intangibles, that he's the makeup to be franchise quarterback, and that he had the highest value. When you talk to Brian Goodekunst, he always says we go by the board. We don't go by position of specifically talking about the Packers front office. It's kind of the old Thompson mantra. So he said when I talked to him on the phone after the pick, he was the highest guy, Jordan Love I'm speaking about, left on the board and they felt confident enough that they were going to use that pick. I think the thought process is just as simple as that. They identified him as the player available. A fourth round pick was worth it to ensure that they got him and move up those four spots, even though they maybe could have gotten him at 30, but he was their guy. And Matt LaFleur, you know, he had his fingerprints all over this draft, especially when you look at AJ Dillon in the second round, when you look at Jaguar in the third round with that zone offense with that zone scheme that he's been in here so this is truly Matt LaFleur's team now especially moving forward but you know Jordan Love is it's gonna be very interesting to see how this relationship unfolds with Aaron Rodgers I know it's all talk right now but uh, I know that the two had spoken briefly it's, it's one thing to say the right things but when you're in the room every day especially now with all this virtual stuff it's changed when they're sitting next to each other in the chair and uh, I'm curious to see how this all unfolds yeah, it is interesting having you on this episode because me and Braun are definitely more fans than we are uh, reporters or anything like that. And uh, your job, you're looking at it from more of an objective standpoint, and you did a, you did a good job explaining the thought process of Brian Gutekunst. But from a fan's perspective, I think it's pretty easy to understand the frustration with the fans because for me at least, I 
<laughs> obviously, I'm not as smart as Brian Gutekunst, and I can do his job. But for me, it feels like with an aging quarterback who's 36, whose play has regressed, you can say that, but he's still an elite quarterback, I would say. And I feel like this is the time you should be surrounding him with more talent to get him more Lombardi trophies to add to his resume, you know, rather than drafting for the future. That feels like what we're always doing. The Packers franchise is always looking to protect the future. And that's that's the frustration for me. And then not even selecting one guy in the entire draft, that's also incredibly frustrating. I mean, going into day two, after uh, Denzel Mims especially was still on the board going into day two, a lot of Packer fans were like, well, look at Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, uh, James Jones, Greg Jennings, all the great receivers that the Packers selected in the second round. And that was so exciting. It's like, yeah, we're definitely, we didn't get one in the first round. We're definitely going to get one in the second round. And then that didn't happen either. And then obviously the entire draft, we didn't take one. And that was very, very frustrating for me. And uh, I'm sure Braun can say the same, as a lot of Packer fans can say. Um, so, but the way you explained it, I that's definitely how I think Brian Gutekunst is looking at it. I mean, is Denzel Mims going to be better than MVS or EQ or Alan Lazard or uh, Devin Funches? Maybe, maybe not. But for me, it just feels like that's a move you should make to uh, surround your quarterback, your aging quarterback, with as much talent as possible to help him in the late stages of his career. Yeah, and when we had him on the conference call talking about Brian Gutekunst, he said that, you know, the guys second round that were there, they tried to trade to get him, but kind of that cutoff was not enough to overpay. And you go back to last year, he tried to bring Emmanuel Sanders here, was too expensive. He tried to bring Ron Anderson here from the Jets, was too expensive. So it's not like he has tried to bring receivers here. He just is refusing to overpay. And from a fan perspective, I get it. I'm the same way. You know, you want this team, you know, one piece away, get Aaron Rodgers that weapon, get them that one game better than San Francisco to get to the Super Bowl. But if you look how this team is built, even dating back to Ted Thompson when Mike McCarthy is a head coach, there aren't very many franchises. I think the Patriots are the only ones that stick out in my mind as teams that have had sustained success. Like Packers, I believe it was an eight-year run under McCarthy where they made the playoffs. And when you talk about reloading versus rebuilding, you want to have the best player available. And it's hard to justify all of this, but it's such a one-year league. But at the same time, isn't if that makes sense because you're always one injury away so you get that one piece what happens if it's hurt then you just wasted that only this year but the opportunity to grab that guy that's going to be the cornerstone you know moving forward i think kenny clark's a name to bring up nobody knew him as a first round pick out of ucla he was 20 years old you know he wasn't even at the draft and everyone's looking around like oh who is this guy kenny clark what are the hackers doing and all of a sudden, now he's entering into his fifth year, made a Pro Bowl last year, and he's still, you know, very, very young. So that's a good example of kind of what they're trying to do with Jordan Love. They're taking these guys and looking at long-term benefit that's going to carry that team. And if you look back to when the Packers didn't make the playoffs the last two years, it was all because of those bad drafts when those rookie contracts were expiring. You had Demarius Randall taken in the first round. They had to trade him away. Uh, the second pick, the corner out of Miami that was a former basketball player, Quentin Rollins, he doesn't do anything. I think the entire 15 draft class was no longer on the team. And then you comparing that to the 2018 record, that's why they struggled. You need those draft picks not to hit their first and second year, but that third and that fourth year where you really need them to play well. You can go back to Seattle. 
with the Legion of Boom. They're so good in the secondary because they have all of those guys on their contracts, and they were so good. And then you get the salary cap involved, and that's where you've got to pay all these players, and you get to the point we can't keep them. So that's kind of the, the mantra, I think, of just the back end of why some of these decisions were made. You know, are they the right decisions? You know, we don't know yet. We've got to wait and see what happens. So, Josh, uh, you heard Matt LaFleur and Brian Gudikins both uh, when asked about Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the, the thought process of picking a quarterback. They both said they want to see Aaron Rodgers play. You know, Matt, Brian Gudikins said he wanted to see him be the quarterback for a long time. Matt LaFleur said he wanted to see him play until he can't play anymore. Uh, so how much stock do you put into those two statements by Packers really front office leaders? And, uh, you know, what do you think that means for Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay? Yeah. Personally, I don't put much stock into it. I, I think that they truly do believe that. They want him to play, but that decision's on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's going to decide what he wants to do. Uh, if you look at his salary and how it fits in, it, I don't think Packers are going to be able to to move him now, unless Rodgers demands a trade, it's almost a $4 million cap hit. It makes sense in 2022 for, for him to go separate ways. You know, even this thing with Favre, he was talking to Rick Eisen on his radio show, and he was asked, and he thought Aaron Rodgers was going to finish his career somewhere else. And obviously Favre went through exactly what Aaron Rodgers is about to go through. And it, it's really up to Aaron Rodgers and what he wants to do. And in you know, my professional conversations with him in the locker room, he – He's very adamant about winning. It seems like he still has that fire to compete. You know, obviously Tom Brady still wants to win enough that he would walk away from the Patriots to go join the Tampa Bay Bucks this year. So it's really going to fall on Aaron, and it's more of, is he offended by this? I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he is, and I haven't had a chance to speak to him since uh, Jordan Love was taken. But uh, it's different time, especially in social media and what's happening in the world with the coronavirus pandemic because all of this is highlighted because there is no other sporting event going on. All this focus is on the draft and these lines. And uh, I'm curious to see what Aaron thinks of all this and actually hear from him who wouldn't want a two-time NFL MVP quarterback playing for them as long as possible. I mean, you know, and then you look at the business end of this as well, off of the field, you know, Aaron Rodgers is still the number one selling jersey in Green Bay. The amount of money that he brings into the city of Green Bay, to the surrounding areas of Green Bay. He's the draw, uh, without a doubt. As great as Devontae Adams, as great as the Smiths are, people are coming to see Aaron Rodgers, and he means so much for the franchise. You know, But when it's about winning games on Sundays, you know, it's, it's up to him. And uh, at 37 years old, he'll be turning in December. He's mentioned it's different to relate to some of these guys that are now coming in that are 13, 14 years younger than him. I mean, shoot, it's a 15-year difference between him and Jordan Love. So it's really up to him to see how long he wants to keep this thing going. But, you know, if you look at his on-the-field statistics last year, you could say they're down previous years, but the offense can change. I don't think he had any drop-off by any sense of the imagination as far as his skill set. I think he's an elite quarterback, as you guys mentioned. And uh, it'll be very interesting to the politics behind the scenes as unfolds. And uh, I think he's getting a little bit of break with all virtual stuff right now because if uh, this were OTA week and the Packers were here starting their offseason training camp, and there'd be thousands of cameras uh, waiting to talk to Aaron Rodgers to hear his response. Yeah, so, I mean, okay, let's let's say 
Aaron Rodgers goes out and he's he's lit up by this Jordan Love pick, and he just wants to prove the front office wrong. He wants to he wants to beat out Jordan Love, and he wants to show the Packers that they shouldn't have made this pick because he's still got a lot in him. Let's say he goes out and wins MVP next year, uh, and he's still playing at a high level the year after that, and they're in that point where it's only a, a seventeen million or so cap hit, uh, dead cap if if they were to move on from him. Uh, do you think they'd be willing to, you know, keep Rodgers around for as long as he's playing, you know, at that same high level? Do you think they'd be willing to let either Jordan Love sit or, or make some kind of a trade of Jordan Love to a, a quarterback needy team? I mean, do, do you see the, the scenario where Aaron Rodgers can stick around uh, and, and really beat out Jordan Love as long as he as he can? Oh, 100%. I had a, a long conversation with James Jones about this a couple days ago and you know I don't think it's really the comments that from LaFleur or the media that are to influence Rodgers. Rodgers is kind of like Michael Jordan in a sense of his expectations on himself are higher than anybody could place on him and it's his internal drive that I truly believe is, is what gives him the edge and what makes him great. So the fact that you know someone would say something or offend him or rub him the wrong way it's going to be his decision but he, I, I don't think I've ever met a more confident player than Aaron Rodgers and to the public it's it's difficult because he's very private and sometimes he's viewed as standoffish or he has that very dry sense of humor so he comes off in a different way if you talk to his teammates uh, for example last year he and Darius Smith they threw this Halloween party train museum here in Green Bay uh, he's getting his offensive linemen on us. He does a lot of things behind the scenes for his teammates that you never really hear about, and he wants to keep it private. So I feel that the outside perception of Aaron Rodgers is very different than the people that interact with him on a day-to-day basis. And even in the media, there are, are a few people that really know Aaron Rodgers on a personal level. He keeps that vibe. Uh, so it's, uh, it's truly up to him. And I think if he were offended, he could go and demand a trade. But, uh, you know, obviously if Aaron Rodgers says, hey, I don't want to play for you, and, you know, release me, I'm sure there's 31 other teams that would at least make a phone call uh, or even ask themselves a question of, hey, you know, what can we do with this guy? I feel like he's had to know that this was a possibility. He's been asked questions about the Packers drafting a quarterback for years now. And uh, he's always, you know, this offseason he said that – well, he's not going to be able to beat me out anytime soon. So I don't, I can't see a situation where he's offended. Brett Favre said earlier today, actually, that uh, he was upset. I think that's what he said. Uh, but I can't imagine anything playing out where Rodgers has to uh, demand a trade or he's deeply insulted. I think he's just a little disappointed he didn't get a receiver, honestly, or an offensive skill player because he was on the Pat McAfee show before the draft or uh, during the top 10 picks of the draft, and he was talking about how, yeah, you know, it's been 15 years since we selected a skill position player. It was actually himself. Um, and he was, you know, he seemed kind of excited at the possibility of getting an offensive player to help him out. Heck yeah. Can't blame him, can Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, so I think that's, maybe he's disappointed that the, fr- that the front office is looking towards the future rather than helping him right now. But um, I'm interested in, how much do you think Matt LaFleur played into this decision to draft Jordan Love? Because maybe he thinks Jordan Love is the best quarterback for his system he wants to run. You know, there's been reports that, uh, I don't know if they're true or not, but uh, he kind of thinks Rodgers is maybe too off schedule. He doesn't want to buy into the offense all the way. And 
that is definitely the play style of Aaron Rodgers. That's where he's at his best uh, off off script. We know we've seen it throughout the ten years ten years plus that he's been playing for the Packers. That's definitely his play style. So how much do you think Matt Lafleur was really you know pounding the table for Jordan Love because he thinks that this player would really excel in his offense and he doesn't think Aaron's going to be here for uh, too too much longer. I think it was at least pounding almost two fists. I, I think, you know, Jordan Love was guy. I mean, this is the guy that he wanted. Uh, Brian Goodekin said this on uh, the phone call. Matt was a little bit more reserved, and uh, I believe it was Michael Silver spoke with Matt LaFleur. They had a great relationship, and, and he basically said, you know, Jordan Love was guy from day one. That's the guy that he really wanted, and you saw that with Packers willing to give up that fourth round just to ensure that they got him. No one else would make a move. And when you look at this zone offense, you know, Jordan Love has all the skill sets to do that and see how this thing progresses. Last year, there was things into this offense that Aaron Rodgers did really well. As you mentioned, notice the ability to extend play, get out of the pocket. But what Floor's offense actually does, you know, the pass plays off the run game, but also keeps Aaron Rodgers in the pocket and hopefully upright. So it would actually provide longevity you could argue because the the goal would be to try to keep him safer and keep him from getting out in the open field where he could get hurt like we saw with Anthony Barr in the broken column a couple years ago so uh no doubt you know this is LaFleur's guy in Jordan Love but he's got Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers is 1A 1B 1C 1D in Jordan Love the room and as you mentioned earlier we've seen this before and what Ted Thompson used to do was they, they get a quarterback, they coach him up, and then they trade him, and then they get in their pick and are able to get somebody else. So I think it's a good investment for the long term. I'm, I'm curious to see how Jordan Love responds. And uh, I understand the fans' perspective of, you know, you want a big piece now to make that impact, and you're in the NFC Championship game, and you want another Super Bowl because fan base, that's the expectation, you know. So uh, no doubt, 100%, Matt LaFleur, chose Jordan Love and I think Matt LaFleur is extremely extremely high on his potential now it actually comes to fruition but three years work with him and having the opportunity to sit I mean you basically saw that same thing with Aaron Rodgers was taken in 2005 became a starter in 2008 now Love is on that same trajectory projection if you will and uh, if anything I think will be a big big piece if not starter, hopefully in, in Green Bay for a long time is what the front office is mentioning. I mean, you know, I you talk about just how much Matt LaFleur might have wanted Jordan Love. Uh, one assistant coach uh, in the NFL told Mike Silver of NFL Network uh, that he'd draft him number one overall. Uh, and I bet Matt LaFleur kind of had that same mentality. At least he had him graded high. I mean, the potential must have really excited him. Uh and, and then, you know, when he starts to fall past where they think he's going to go, uh, that really must have excited both Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur, uh, the idea to get this quarterback that they think could be truly special, like Aaron Rodgers, like Brett Favre. Uh, I think that had to be it, right? I mean, they, they talked about in those conference calls that it wasn't the plan necessarily to go get Jordan Love because not only were they not, you know, expecting to take a quarterback, but they didn't expect him to fall anywhere near that number 30 pick. Uh, so once they realized that in their eyes, this really this number one quarterback talent started falling, they loved this guy. They wanted to go up and they wanted to get him, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, you hit it perfectly. They loved it. Uh, if you look at all of the experts and you, know, you can say whatever you want about some of these experts, but 
in a lot of what I read and a lot of people that I talked with, Jordan Love has the highest ceiling of any quarterback taking this draft. That's above Joe Burrow. That's above Tua Tagovailoa. It's above Justin Herbert. Jordan Love projects based off of the college film to be the quote-unquote best. I, I don't know if you guys saw there was a video going around. It's literally a side-by-side of Love and Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers throws a touchdown to Donald Driver, pulled out of the vault, and it's the same exact movement with feet. It was incredible. It was almost like a mirror image of what Aaron Rodgers did, and this kid did it in college. But when you talk to Goody, it's not on position of need. It's based off of the best player available on the board. And as I said, when he fell, he was their guy all along. That's who they wanted. And to face the fourth-round pick just to ensure that they, they got him, to give him peace of mind, say, hey, we're going to get this guy in Green Bay. We're going to coach him up. We've got him for five years. You know, Aaron will be 40 by the time those five years expire. This, I think, is a great opportunity. And then if you go back to, again, what we talked about of those third and fourth year players on the final years of their rookie contracts, like the Kings, those are the guys that are really going to help you this year versus a rookie. And it, unless you're, you know, a really, really good player, we haven't seen rookies really make difference. Uh, Bosa would be an example. But if you look entire first round as they project, you know, it, it takes some time for these rookies to learn the system. And especially given a time when, there is no offseason, everything's happening virtually, it's even harder for rookie, I believe, to make a, an impact. And, and I'm curious to see if the season starts on time. There's predictions that this thing could be pushed back as far as October 15th. We don't know about fans. I mean, we're truly in a unique time period, and having love for the future is what we wanted to do. And you could argue that if you've got Aaron Rodgers on your roster, it's been their mentality, they still have a chance, regardless, because of how magical he is. And it's going to be the debate that's going to be talked about for years to come. And, uh, you know, we're, we're living history right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing you can absolutely say about this pick for uh, just the immediate, you know, the immediate Green Bay Packers this next year, the next couple of years, the Packers finally have a backup quarterback that, at least they hope that they can rely on to come in and, and possibly help them win games uh, if Aaron Rodgers does go down. And the last time we had, I don't know if there has been a time where we could confidently say that there's a quarterback out there that we've had on the roster that, that can come into the game if Rodgers goes down and we're still in it. Uh, so that possibility is exciting. But I do want to move on to, uh, you know, let's talk about our, our day two picks. Uh, so A.J. Dillon, the running back, and Josiah DeGuara, the, the tight end H-back, no, those guys both, uh, they really weren't rated high amongst, uh, at least in terms of the uh, kind of the media and the uh, experts in the media. Uh, they really didn't have them rated anywhere near where they were selected. Uh, so, and that, that kind of points to the idea that the Packers from the inside perspective really just shove any outside, you know, mock drafts, any outside grades. They really don't look at that at all. Do you think that's something that they should have done or they should should they just stick to what they believe their board is? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you've got to believe the guys that you work with. And this group of scouts, they've together for a long time and they got some very talented people. And if you go back and you look at the roster, you know, some of the great finds that you've had. And I understand from the one side of A.J. Dillon supposed to be this day three projection, you know, fourth to sixth round, 
but then you look at combine numbers and he's got i think it was i forget which two i think it might have been the broad jump and like the cone jerk. he had two events where it was the top running back of all of the running backs in the draft over jonathan taylor over all of the guys so here is a guy physically that has gifts Here's a bruiser, a change of pace back, almost 250 pounds. Look at the weather in Green Bay or in a late game scenario. And I think even if you could go back and look at the NFC Championship specifically, we know Shanahan and LaFleur tight. They obviously have worked together. And I think a lot of what Matt saw is I need a guy that can do something like this. They saw the 49ers work with a three-back system. Here's another piece that we can add. And they mentioned that Dylan actually has great hands. Didn't see a lot of that at Boston College, but he's a piece that I think can help them right away. It'll be very curious. I saw some reports out that they believe Maul Williams is going to be a potential cut option. I, I, I don't think that's true. I, I honestly see this team with the way Matt LaFleur drafted in a way that I know he wants to run this offense, pairing four running backs, the four being Dexter Williams, a draft pick at Notre Dame last year, and obviously Aaron Jones, who was their best offensive weapon and arguably one of you know the best offensive players in the league last year at any old position. But uh, you know Dylan, we'll, we'll see. But they, they love this kid enough to waste a – or we don't know, waste is the wrong word because we choose him in the second round. And, and an interesting fact – Dylan and Love have a pre-existing relationship. They're friends before this. And when you talk about locker room culture and quote-unquote building for the future, you want guys that want to play for one another. And when you get guys that know each other, have pre-existing relationships, that like one another, you talk about you know having fun and pushing people, that could be their future right there. And I think uh, it's a little bit more coincidence that, that Dylan was taken. I mean – I'm not going to lie, when we drafted A.J. Dillon, I was not very happy. (laughs) The Packer fan in me was not very happy because I'm obviously rooting for a wide receiver, just anyone who can help out in the passing game. But uh, now that the picks are in, you know, nothing you can do about it. I am excited about A.J. Dillon as a player, along with uh, some of the other draft picks, but especially A.J. Dillon. Uh, You know, watching his tape, the way he's built, his speed too. What he run a 4-5 at the Combine. Uh, at 250 pounds, that's just incredible. And uh, I do understand why they picked him. Uh, what I'm interested in is, do you think that that pick played at all? Or do you think that was because of both Jones and Williams being free agents next offseason? Do you think this was another pick for the future to just an in insurance policy? So Because they're not going to re-sign both of them. We knew that going into the draft. We knew that probably last offseason. Um, so do, how much do you think that pick was uh, weighted by both of those two being free agents next offseason. Yeah, I think that it uh, was definitely a piece, no doubt. But knowing how the Packers operate, he was their highest-graded player left on board when they had the opportunity to grab him based on their information. And you had previously asked about the Packers trusting information versus the quote-unquote experts and what's in the media. I mean, they really trust each other in a room, and that's why you know, you're the general manager. That's why... You can make those types of decisions, but no doubt you realize that Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are on the final year of their deals, and you can't keep two of them. And here's not only a guy that you can bring in at 205-plus pounds that can help you this year give you a change of pace and give you something to add to this year's roster, but your guy that can help you would be a complement to either 
Jones or Williams if one of them wasn't there. And here's a guy we really haven't seen his catch, catch pass-catching abilities, excuse me. So can he be that third-round back? I think that's – excuse me, third-down back. I think that's one of the big question marks. But I think all of that really comes into play, and I think that's why they went ahead and made that decision because he fits on so many different levels and fills so many different holes. But most importantly, the Pack believed that he was the best player available at that slot. Yeah, I've seen uh, Peter Bukowski throw this around on Twitter, the idea that maybe we – um, we want to use Aaron Jones in the passing game more often. We didn't. We did it, you know, towards the middle of the season, but that kind of stopped towards the end of the season. Um, and he threw this out that um, Alvin Kamara in 2018 was a fantastic second option, fantastic receiving back. But once he lost Mark Ingram and he had to be the hammer guy, uh, you know, he got injured last year. So do you think that um, the AJ Dillon pick was kind of to take some stress off of uh, Aaron Jones' shoulders? 100%. And I mean, anytime that you've got a one-two combination or a one-two-three combination, like we saw with San Francisco, I mean, shoot what, Jimmy Garoppolo threw, what, eight passes in that NFC Championship game? And the, the Packers knew the run was coming. I mean, they just couldn't stop it. And when you can rotate fresh guys in, and when you can get a lead, and when you have a defense like the Packers, you, you can hold it, and you can keep the clock. I mean, imagine handing the ball off. It's snowing. It's 15 degrees. in late fourth quarter. And you've got somebody with the lower body of Dylan with the ball security that he possessed. And when you can chew four or five minutes off that clock, no problem. I mean, that's a huge piece to have. And especially give Aaron Jones a breather. You talk about thunder and lightning. I'm a USC alum. And I mean, I remember Reggie Bush and Lendale White, you know, that kind of thunder lightning, that one-two combination. Like you just mentioned, Mark Ingram, tomorrow. And when you have different guys like that, it forces the defense to make choices. They don't know what defense to play, and especially if you can get guys to comment one another. It's almost like X Factor. Uh, but we've seen with rookies, they've had success early on, and then once teams kind of figure out how they're used, they're able to pick a defense. But I truly believe that with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and now Dylan, that's going to be so hard to plan for defensively. And I think exactly what Matt LaFleur wants, especially given – the zone running sim he wants and the play action and, and the pass to pull off of the run. Now he knows that he's got that backfield and then that playbook's just open up. And then when you've got Aaron Rodgers in audible situations and you still got Devontae Adams on the side, who I believe is a top three wide receiver in the league, you know, this offense could be really, really good, but it's built differently than say Kansas city it's built differently than what the Broncos did in this year's draft. It's going to be look completely different than what the Cowboys are trying to do with Mike McCarthy. So I'm curious to see how style is going to work. But the Packers obviously have a vision, and we'll see how it plays. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the Packers grabbing three interior guys back-to-back-to-back in the sixth round uh, and kind of just, you know, they, they – they didn't get one of those tackles that they need to kind of either be a swing backup guy or, or possibly compete with Rick Wagner for that starting job. So, you know, do you think that that's a position we might still need to address outside of, uh, outside of this draft, obviously in free agency, or, or are you comfortable with what we have in terms of our O-line depth? I think the biggest question marks to be Corey Lynn's moving forward. He's been so solid for so long. Are you going to repay him? Uh, and, and up him again. I think Lane Taylor's a, a piece that's interesting. He was out last year. You forget about him. 
Lucas Patrick's a guy that they just signed to an extension. He's played really well. But when you look at the system, they have guys to play different spots. And I think you can, you know, while Wag's going to be a one to two year option at right tackle, is he a downgrade from Brian Bellog? 100%. Absolutely. Are you going to move Elton Jenkins over from his guard position to play natural position at center once Lee's contract's up? That's a question to ask. But right now, the continuity of this offensive line, I think is good. I think they're, they've worked together. They've got a great offensive line coach. Um, I, I'm not too concerned about that, but you're always one bodies. And if they truly believe that, you know, those guys in that middle round can be good, then that's what we're looking for. But I don't really see those guys playing it away, if you will. Uh, but they're obviously going to be camp bodies and guys that, can come in and be a backup and we'll see them try them out at different positions just to see how they interact and what they can do and what their success can actually be. But I truly believe that, you know, the starting offense line is going to be from everybody they had in the building last year. What, what do you think are some moves that the Packers might still want to make like, you know, in free agency or, or a possible trade? Uh, what positions, what players would you like to see uh, the Packers target uh, the remainder of this offseason. Well, just signed all of their undrafted free agents today. So I, I really don't see them being too active in the offseason simply because of the salary cap restrictions. Uh, I know a lot of fans would love Clay Matthews to come back and maybe even try to have him play inside his release by the Rams. So he'd be kind of a curious name. I think would just be kind of fun to follow just because of what he's built here. Realistically, do I see that happening? Um, it depends on how little he would take. Uh, with the Packers, when Jordy Nelson walked away, they offered him the veteran minimum, and he's like, I can go get more money elsewhere. So because of that cap, sorry cap, I don't envision them getting a big name, if you will. And if you look at this moving forward, you need to sign Kenny Clark. He's still got a deal you'll need to get done in the season, and you need to leave some room in case there's – uh, something that you need in the middle of the season. Tyler Irvin was a great example of that last year. You know, they're going to need that flexibility depending on where this roster is, you know, come October, November, and where the team's at to go out and get a guy or trade for a guy. So I, I think they'll go with what they've got. And I think uh, depending on how the injuries fall in training camp, they're going to leave that flexibility, maybe make a move based on need uh, on the depth of the roster at a later date. I think, the first part is just trying to get the guys in here, see what they have, and then even see if the season starts in time. Because there's so uncertain, there's so much uncertainty, I see this team being conservative this offseason given the pieces that they've already had. Do you think uh, Tremont Williams is still a possibility at this time? Yeah, I mean, I, I would personally would love to see Tremont Williams. But he's one of my favorite players to interview in the locker room. Uh, he, you know, he's going to be 37 years old. The man doesn't age. You know, it's incredible. He's got you know, fun of youth water that he keeps drinking. He's a, he's a wonderful person, and what he does for that locker room, I think, is a huge asset. But it goes back to the money. And you know, is he going to be willing to take a veteran minimum contract? Because I, he got an all-pro last year, right? So here's a guy that should command more money. I think the Packers are going to offer him. But is he willing to take a quote-unquote hometown discount to come back? Because really, you look safety. You've got Amos. You've got Savage. You've got Will Redman. You know, would you like to add a 
another piece, you know, maybe especially when you've got Mike Pettin really playing a one linebacker system. Can you play in nickel with this new personnel? I, I don't know. Um, I, I think a safety would, would be nice, but uh, we'll see what these undrafted guys can do. And uh, I think Tremont would even be a name that you could see him holding out until close to week one. Uh, I think he's got to find the right situation. I would love to see the Packers grab him. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely all for bringing Tremont Williams back. I mean, uh, someone asked about someone asked Gutekunst, uh what he felt about the cornerback situation, and he basically just said he's confident in the guys we have already. So it doesn't sound like that's really on their to do list right now, which is unfortunate because, uh, like you said, he played great last year. I didn't know that he got an All Pro vote. That's amazing, honestly, for his age. Um, so yeah, I would definitely be all for bringing him back. Another name that's being thrown around a lot is uh, Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison. That would definitely be interesting. Just as a, you know, he's he's been kind of hurt these past couple years, these past few years. But um, I think that's definitely an intriguing name. You don't have to play him on all three downs. You can just put him in on third down or or more like first and second down to stop the run. And uh, Taylor Gabriel too. To <laughs> it doesn't seem like they're gonna do anything at the wide receiver position, or they would have already. But I'm definitely all for Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, Curtis Samuel is another name I, I saw floating around the interwebs. Uh, Flower receiver from the Panthers. Um, you know, it's – how do I explain? Uh, you know, as a fan, you, you want these guys. You want these big names because you've got Aaron Rodgers and you feel the, the time to win is now. And I think in this day and age fantasy football where the fan really knows those players that play wide receiver, tight end, running back – uh, and even more so now kickers because you need those points uh, to beat your buddies at fantasy. I, I think there's maybe a skewed view on, on value of certain players. And when you look at this Packers team, I think they feel that the second year in this offensive system, another year under the Mike system, and having this miss here already for a season, Adrian Amos here, what Savage did last year, I think that they feel the extra year of experience is going to help them further than they were last year based on that alone need to go get guys. I think going to wait again until the middle of the season just to see where they're at, feel it out. And you remember your roster, shoot, week one certainly doesn't look like, you know, what it will on week 17 or in week five. So it's truly a week to week basis. And, I thought flexibility in the season to go out and, and get somebody, maybe snacks is available where someone gets hurt and you're like, Man, hey, we need them. Um, I think see that as more of a realistic possibility versus going to get somebody now. And, uh, you know, you got to remember, too, a lot of these players still can't travel because coronavirus. So these teams aren't able to get physicals on these guys. There's a lot of question marks. And, you know, with their pieces mainly in place, you're – really looking at maybe one to two moves that you can make. And you bet that these front offices are getting very stringent and they're doing the due diligence because they know they have limited moves. And if they make that, it's got to count. All right, Josh, we'll wrap it up here with, uh, we're just going to, you know, what would you say uh, just to put Packers fans at ease, obviously with this virus and no sports going on and the whole NFL offseason ahead, uh, you know, all these Packers fans, their minds are going to start to wander and wander about Aaron Rodgers and his future and, you know, everything, just the whole situation. Uh, what would you say just to put Packers fans at ease and, and kind of just let them know that we're going to be all right? Uh, 
Well, uh, you got Aaron Rodgers under contract for four years. I think got to start there. You've got Preston Smith under contract. You've Darius Smith under contract. Uh, hopefully, they can get a deal done with Kenny Clark. But those are the building blocks. And you forget that this team's thirteen and three. And you know, many people argue they were the worst thirteen and three team, you know, all time. Uh, I believe that having that second year and that continuity in this offensive system is really going to help. I truly believe that Devontae Adams continues to keep proving as crazy as that sounds. I, his ceiling, you know, we have yet to see it. So, I mean, you have some serious pieces, and Aaron Jones has been phenomenal. And you can bet, I mean, he is about to have a baby with his long girlfriend. He knows he's in the final year of his contract. I think he's going to be lights out if he can stay healthy. Same with Jamal Williams. He knows it's a contract here. He's playing for a lot more. And I think that the the mood inside this locker room, I've covered the team since 2015. This was my fifth season. This will be my sixth. I've never seen the locker room so close. And when you have closeness in the locker room, it allows for wins. I was in Denver prior to this with Peyton Manning when the Broncos went on their run to the school. And it was kind of the same type of feel that in there that the Packers had just with these guys are going to dinner with each other. Uh, the entire defense, or they're going to Bucks teams. They're spending so much time to get outside of the locker room. And that sentiment of knowing that they're friends, they have this deeper connection than teammates, that they will play for one another and that they can actually be accountable to one another in that way makes them so much better. And then you have Matt Floor, obviously, who makes this thing very fun. And uh, I, I wouldn't worry too much about the rhetoric between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love because there's no way Jordan Love is going to play this year. This is Aaron Rodgers' team, and I truly believe that he will not let this affect him. I know that his confidence level is through the roof. Again, I think he's one of the most confident people I've ever met in my life, and I think that's what gives him that edge to be as good as he is. And I think Rodgers knows too. Like, hey. Kevin King's on a final year of his deal. Andy Clark's on the final year of his deal. Aaron Jones is on the final year of his deal. So these pieces aren't going to be in place forever. And if there's ever a time to win, you know, I, I think this year he's got as good a shot as any. And I'm hoping that there's a strong sense of urgency. And I hope that Packers fans would feel the same, even though they might be disappointed with the draft. Again, you don't know how drafts are going to pan out. You've got to wait three to four years. But with the pieces they have in place and the coaching staff back, plus all of that continuity, and you know about these relationships in the locker room, I think you're, you've got to be excited. I think you still have a really good opportunity to win the division. And if you can get to 10 wins, win the division, you got a chance to make a run. And it's, it'll be the 10-year anniversary of the Super Bowl. You saw what the Packers did. You know, they got in as a seat, and they won the whole thing. So you've got to get there. And I think the Pack have the talent, and I think they have enough to do that again this year. Yeah, that was really well said. I mean, if you're talking about things to be optimistic about, you look back to last season, and the offense was really at its best when it was going through Aaron Jones, going through the running game, the play action off of it. And uh, after this draft, if we can tell anything, it's that we do want to be a run-first team. Or uh, may maybe not a totally run-first team. I mean, Aaron Rodgers still is your quarterback, but... I think they're definitely going to prioritize prioritize the run even more than they did last year. And uh, with Devontae Adams, I mean, when he came back from his injury last season, the offense maybe regressed as a whole, but he was putting up monster numbers each and every week. So uh, it, it does seem like this offense is really set to pick up where they left off. Are you guys basketball fans? Have you been watching this last dance, Michael Jordan, the Bulls? Oh, yeah. All right, so so here's, here's kind of how I'm, I'm thinking of this. 
I just had the episode on when the Bulls won their first championship in 91. And the whole thing was about when Jordan had been you know, scoring title champion, the defensive player of the year. He had all of these individual accolades. And then all of a sudden in 91, he realized that everybody was keen on him and he had to trust his teammates and he had to do less and encourage everyone else. Scotty Pippen became the all-star. And I think that this year, if you put Aaron Rodgers in that same perspective, even from last year, he doesn't have to do much. That's what this offense does. It allows you to find other pieces where he doesn't uh, shoot. I remember that NFC Championship game in Atlanta. Aaron Rodgers did so much on his own. Now, because of this offensive system, because of the pieces that he has around him, I think that he does have to do as much. And yes, the Packers, you know, fans will say Rodgers' numbers are down. He's declining. But when you talk to the players, I mean, they're like, hey, his ball is, is just good as ever, if not better. And now with that familiarity of offense and understanding how he's going to work in it, he's probably the smartest player on the field every single game. So if you kind of put those two things together, I truly believe that's a great mindset to have to hopefully get us into training camp. And uh, I know everyone's very excited for week one and the schedule being dropped next Saturday. I'm uh, I'm very curious to see when this Tampa Bay Buck game is going to be down in Florida. Yeah, me too. And it's going to be a very interesting season to say the least uh, hopefully hopefully it's just as good as last season but uh that's going to do it for today's episode thanks so much for coming on josh uh, where can where can our listeners find you on twitter oh anytime uh you can find me at the Mo's nose uh sports director of fox 11 in wisconsin i'm also the host of in the huddle it's our Packers show that airs regionally across the midwest it started with Ronald driver uh aaron jones is actually going to be our, our main guest this year so uh, we got a lot of fun stuff planned and uh, looking forward to a great season. And if Packers fans, you have any questions, I'm happy to answer. Just let me know and be sure to follow Braun and Griff as well. And, you know, we've got a, a Packers community. There's nothing better than this Packers fan base. It's the best part of my job. And uh, hopefully great times ahead for everybody. And hopefully everyone's doing safe and safer at home. Thanks, Josh. We really can't thank you enough for coming on. Oh, anytime, guys. Anytime.